Hello, 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 and welcome to the very first, maybe only ever, episode of the Friday Chaser Live. We've uh, This is an idea I've been kicking around for quite a while now and just really never had the, I don't know, maybe the guts or maybe the opportunity to get this started, but I'm really excited about diving into some of the things that get shared in the newsletter every week. There's so much to talk about in all of these things, and I feel like the little blurb I have to write inside the newsletter is never enough to get it all out of my system. So, uh, before we jump in and start talking about this, I just want to welcome Jonathan here to the stream. You guys might know him, uh, formerly known as Permaslug, uh, here on YouTube. But uh, Jonathan's going to join me and discuss some of these topics today. So I really appreciate you joining me here today. I guess for the people that don't know you, why don't you give your uh, give us a little background on yourself, just so everybody's familiar with you. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me back again on the admin bar. I don't know how many appearances this has been, but quite a few, ho hopefully not the last. Um, I was going to quickly say before I introduce myself, we, you you uh, mentioned kind of struggling to put this, uh, put this together and having that self-doubt. And it's amazing how you and I go back and forth on that. I'll come to you and I'm like, oh, this is a terrible idea. And you're like, shut up. This is amazing. And then the, the flip side is true. So I want to, I want to just say that I'm very excited for this, and I suspect that many other people are. So, well, I um, hope so. We have we have some people waiting. It looks like some people already dropping comments, which is great. Uh, I don't I don't want to keep everybody waiting too long, so we'll jump into this here yeah. uh, here right away. But uh, yeah, why don't you kind of tell everybody what you got going on and what what it is you do, your relationship with WordPress? Yeah. So uh, of course, like many of us, I I um, consider myself kind of an agency. I have some uh, some overseas contractors, and um, for the most part. My, my day job is working on uh, kind of like private membership sites. So I found myself in, in a niche where I'm working on private portals for homeowners associations and uh, organizations that need, you know, protected access for, for a variety of things. So, you know, really since um, I got into that space because of Oxygen Builder, I spent so many years with Oxygen and building custom conditions and doing all those sorts of things. Uh, of course, I've transitioned to generate press and generate blocks and still am able to do those kinds of sites. Um, and, and it's, it's really good. So that's, that's kind of the day to day. And then I create YouTube content under my name and then have a couple of courses as well. So I, I kind of divide my time 60, 40 between courses and YouTube and, and then agency work. So, um, it works very well. Nice. Perfect. My uh, my little homeowners association here the other day posted they're looking for somebody to volunteer to administer the website and I'm just like mm -mm, no way not me so I'm gonna send them uh, your name and say listen that's <laughs> all about membership sites he can definitely take care of it for you because I'm not doing that I just was at my son's uh, like you know football um, the the local league for football and they were like it was the initial parents meeting. They were like, we have a ton of uh, business owners here and we just hope you guys will consider supporting us. They were like, they, they said, um, we need somebody to, to help out with the website. And my girlfriend just turned to me with like big eyes and we were just like, nope, uh -uh. <laughs> we're not here. I'm, I've done that before. I did one for actually for the last place I lived in. Um, we had a pretty good sized little community. And so I built one. It was like a a directory site just for all the business owners in the neighborhoods. Like if somebody's looking for an electrician or a plumber or whatever, like why not hire from people like local to us inside the community? So Definitely. I did that, like set up all the systems where they could just fill in a form and get it all set up. And people were one, not appreciative and two, just bitched about things all the time. I'm like, you know what? I'm just taking this down. This is not worth it at all. You know, this no. does me no good. I don't want any of you to hire me. So this was for y'all, not for me. I, I won't ramble on this long, but that reminds me of a topic that came up. Somebody asked in the admin bar about bartering. And I'm like, bartering is the worst thing that we can do. 
it's not a topic this week. Maybe it needs to be for next week, but I, I, I'm very, very heavily against bartering. The only, the only thing I could say though, if, if like a taco truck came to me and said, will you do our website and we'll just give you free tacos? A 100%. I'm all about that. I to be fair. I just, I just told the coffee shop, dude, I'll build you a website for free. And he's like, I'll give you free coffee for life. And I said, deal. See, you're going back on what you just said two seconds mm -hmm. ago. I like it. There's ex exceptions to every rule. That's, that's for sure. All right. Well, hello to everybody here in the uh, in the comments here. Do drop in where you're where you're watching from, where you're catching us from today. I want to try to make this as interactive as possible. I have the ability, like showing Gavin's comment on the screen here, to say hi from Scotland, hi from uh, Virginia. Uh, I can add people's comments to the stream here with all my fancy software now. So I would like to make this as interactive as possible. Obviously, me and Jonathan will be having conversations here, but if people have points they want to share or comments to add, definitely do that inside the chat. I can pick them up both on YouTube and Facebook. We're live in both places, except if you don't go through some hoops with StreamYard to, to uh, give permission, you just come up as Facebook user. Uh, so you can write your name or something, or I'll just call you Facebook user, but make it all, make it all easy, I think. So let's just, uh, let's dive in here. I guess the first place to start at is the top of the newsletter. This week, I, I spent a little bit of time writing about focus and a few of my tips and tricks for staying focused, because man, everything is such a shiny object. Uh, nowadays. And I know you have one thing you're pretty passionate about when it comes to focus and something that shouldn't be on your phone. Yeah. So um, I think it's worth mentioning as well that I, I had the impression initially, totally my assumption, and uh, that we would be diving into this. So we'll see how this evolves over the next, you know, few iterations of, of TFCL. But um, you know, for me, the focus is really important. I, I, I haven't had actually going back to, you know, deep in the COVID times when that Netflix um, show, The Social Dilemma came out, mm. it really struck me and has resonated with me ever since then. And you know what? I purposefully never watched that because I was just like, I don't need that. I don't need that burden in my life. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you, but I, I watched it and it, it I still think about it all the time. And I sound like a broken record to people that have heard me spiel about it before. But uh, one of the big things is there's to, to put it, you know, to summarize it really shortly. There is a clip where there's a guy who's a former Gmail engineer. And he says he went to the you know executive team and said, we've created something that people are addicted to and they just ignored him. They were like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, they, they just blew him off. And I realized like, it's so true. Email is insanely addictive. It's incredibly disruptive. And um, I haven't had email on my phone at all for years now. And my business still functions. In fact, I had two fantastic months back to back the last couple of months. So, you know, I think people have a really hard time even comprehending the idea of getting it off of your phone. And then the other thing, you know, the, the poll that popped up that I think you did about what do you do with your email during the day? Mm -hmm. Like nearly 80% of people leave it open all day long. And I'm like, if you're talking about shiny red ball syndrome, if you're working on something and you're deep in focus and a client pops up and says, my site's down, but their site's not actually down. What happened is, you know, they have some issue, their clock on their computer is wrong. So it says, SSL cert error, you know, whatever. It could be any number of things. Um, they typed in the URL wrong. Exactly, exactly. So Facebook user, whoever you are, best thing I ever did was removing email from my phone. Absolutely. I mean, I, I still, it's still accessible, but I use just the web portal to Gmail, which they intentionally make rubbish. So yeah. it's like, 
you know, it's just enough to get me by if I need to pull up like a PDF or, or you know, movie ticket or whatever. Um, but in terms of the, the focus that I find keeping email closed, intentionally not open in my browser, um, it, it really makes a difference. And I realize if I have it open, which I do right now, so I can read the Friday Chaser stuff, it's like, I find myself being in conversation with you still glancing over there. It's like mm -hmm. this addictive twitch. So yeah, I know I've told people like I'm guilty. I leave my email open, but I've, I use Kiwi by Gmail or whatever, Kiwi for Gmail or whatever, like as an app for my email, you can turn the little notification bubbles off. So I don't see any, like when a new email comes in, unless I have it open, I don't see it. I just feel like I'm needing in my email all the time. It's like inconvenient to close it and open it. So I say pretty you know, not distracted from it. But I, I had that problem before when we do like table meetings and uh, I'd be in the middle of a conversation with people for an, you know, we're in there for a solid hour and then a client writes with some kind of problem and then all my focus leaves what I'm doing yep. and it's just sucked into this email and there's literally nothing I can do about it right now because I'm in the middle of a meeting, but now I just can't do two different, you know, there's two things I can't do now. You know? Definitely. I think, I think the, I, I understand when people mention the resistance to it, like while working in the workday, you know, nine to five, whatever, that's no problem. But after hours, especially like you're sitting there at dinner and your phone dings and you look down and the, the clients just sent you 87 emails with one photo each. And you're just like, oh God, there's no reason for that to be invading your brain space at that time. Rick, Rick's comment exactly right here on the screen is what made me think about that. Like, yeah, you can, you can. I've found it helpful sometimes if I do feel like I'm getting distracted. The do not disturb mode, so at least you can get to every email you've already seen because it's already loaded up, but nothing new will come in. Uh, I know we've had people talk about, too, uh, in table meetings before. They're worried about, like, not if they took their email off their phone, there was some kind of emergency or something, not being able to get that notification. So what, what I suggested was, what if you just set up a separate inbox that's, like, emergencies at agency name, whatever, right? And you set that up for like your website down or your uptime monitoring or whatever. So like the emergency based things can go to that, but not client communications, not newsletters, nothing, nothing goes to that except emergencies. Definitely. That way you can take all the rest off your phone, but have that emergency inbox. So at least you have access to that for the peace of mind. Maybe that's a, a step in between if you're just worried about turning everything off. Well, as with the the many things that I've learned from from Ryan Gogoski and stolen straight from him, uh, one thing that I picked up that I love is for really time critical stuff, which I've been very intentional about not um, taking on clients that have that level of expectation. I don't have any e-commerce or real estate, um, you know, for intentionally so that my level of you know um, my accessibility requirements for for them to reach out to me at any time is not there. I've been very yeah. intentional about not doing that. But for the things that I do want to be aware of, like you said, you know, website down notifications and stuff like that, setting up a little Zapier flow to text you. So that's going to come through. And, and then I know if I see a message and it's got the little like random number from Zapier, then I'm like, oh, okay, I got to pay attention to this. But otherwise, you know, there's, you have to find a solution that works for you. There's a balance for everybody. Like, like Rick said, you know, he's got to be in his email. I I am of the opinion that you can find a way to change your workflow. Like everything for me lives in Basecamp. So all of my client files and projects and all that kind of stuff will, will still come through. I'll still get, you know, Basecamp notifications. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a balancing act and what you're okay with. For me, once, once that end of day rolls around, I want no work distractions and, it's a very intentional effort. You know, I've been working on that for, for years now to not 
have that uh, that interruption in my life because that family time is important. Yeah, I, I set my phone to just go to do not disturb once once work time's over, but it's very easy to just pull down the little uh, tray and turn that off and boom, you just get flooded with all the notifications. You know? Yep. Well, you said you said you stole some stuff, uh, some ideas from Ryan. And speaking of stealing, it sounds like uh, we might not have to deal with chat GPT stealing all the content from our website. Uh, Jim shared in the group this week that there is a, a new little rule you can add to your robots.txt file to disallow chat GPT from crawling your website. And I think this is interesting because... I think naturally I'm sick of people stealing crap from my website. So it'd be great to like uh, make it where nobody could steal anything from my website. But I feel like a lot of the things I used to type into a search engine, I now go to chat GPT and ask because I, the way the questions formatted works better in that conversational format. So in a way, ChatGPT is coming, becoming like a new search engine, right? Mm -hmm. And if that search engine is going to have to pull information from somewhere, um, I think eventually some of these other ones, you know, Google and stuff are, are citing sources on their responses. My guess is ChatGPT ends up doing that too, because we're all going to be so, uh, you know, sick of not knowing where things come from. So I think more and more of these are going to be more transparent about citing sources. If, if somebody's source is going to be in there, I want it to be mine. If that's the new search engine, I want to be at the top of that. So if disallowing all your information uh, keeps them from being able to crawl anything on your website, I don't know if that's good or bad. I can't decide. I was thinking about this a, a bit, you know, kind of in preparation for this call. And I, it, it's, it, it's a little conflicting for me because it's like so much of what I've learned is amassed knowledge from, from other people, from other people that have shared this content already. Mm -hmm. So in some sense, it's like, well, I, I am happy to contribute things back into the community, but then does chat GPT get to claim it's the one that, you know, spit that out. Like you said, if, if there was a way for it to say, oh, well, we took part of this code from Jonathan's website and part of this code from the admin bars website. And, and, and here's the, the combined solution that you're looking for. That would be, that would be really cool. Um, I don't know the, the other, the other piece of it for me is like, to be honest, I, I benefit very significantly from chat GPT. And it's like, if it's quality gets worse, which people claim that it is lately, then you know, that, that starts to push me back away from chat GPT to, towards more typical searches, but you're right. You know, I used to, I used to Google like, you know, how to do this with JavaScript and then go dig through stack overflow and be like, I don't know how to do this. But like you said, now you can, you can go to chat GPT and say, well, I don't know what to do with that part of it. So can you tell me and bam, it just does it. So, right. It's, well, and, and you got to think about different kind of searches too. Like my son, he's 13. So he's uh, getting into trying to figure out how to do homework with ChatGPT. He he just asked ChatGPT who I was. So he like put in my name and asked who is Kyle Van Dusen. And ChatGPT came back with a bunch of information about who I am and what I do. And obviously it crawled all that information from my about pages wow. and information that's about me online. So, you know, that search can still happen whether I disavow them from scanning my website or not. But if, if that's the search, let's say I want to protect that search. I don't want that information coming from somewhere else where somebody might be saying something inaccurate about me. At least if I'm control, if it's on my website, I'm in control of what it says. So if they're going to scrape some data about me. I'd rather be the one in control of it, you know? Well, I guess the, the, the question here would be, how is it any different than, than Google? Google scraped everything 
you know, anything that wasn't protected, Google is scraping too. So in a certain sense, it was still accessible, maybe not in the same conversational format and maybe with, you know, attribution, at least somebody is coming to your site. I guess that would be the difference versus ChatGPT just spits it out and you have no idea where it came from. Um, but if it did cite its sources, that would be more akin to Google because you're, you're going to have to click through to the site to, to really verify it if, if you want to do that. Um, so if right now, if would you prefer it if ChatGPT did cite sources every time it answered questions for you? It doesn't really bother me all that much, to be mm -hmm. honest, because uh, I'm not I'm not using it as like a like a copywriting tool. I'm using it more as like I, I tell people I use it as like a really smart coding friend that I can bother all the time and not feel bad about. So you know, Taylor gets sick of us asking him questions. So. Exactly. Exactly. I used to bother him all the time and be like, dude, do you have space in your schedule? I'll pay you. And of course he's, he's a busy dude. Um, so I think, I think it would probably help just my, my confidence level. And, and a lot of times like for tutorials that I create, I do like to share where I found the code. Yeah. Normally it's a manual effort. Um, and you know, I link to generate blocks forums or stack overflow articles or whatever. So if I could, if I could do that same thing, if I take something that I have that almost works and ChatGPT makes it work, that that would be nice. I um, think it it helps credibility when you cite sources, right? That's why you have to do it when you're in school and you write a paper or whatever. You have to tell them where you got this information from because then people can verify that it's actually accurate. And we know ChatGPT will spit a bunch of bullshit out mm -hmm. if you let it. Uh, so it being able to cite those sources, and if you need to dig through those, you know, go down those rabbit holes, you can. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would prefer, my guess is that most of these tools will cite their sources eventually. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's definitely. too much like stuff that needs to be protected, especially once you get into like the, the image stuff where they're basically, you know, uh, AI generated images have a fake signature in the bottom because they're just taking source images, you know, source images from art where somebody signed it. Right. So we know that they're picking up on these things. I mean, I feel like if we're going to steal people's content, we ought to at least know who we're stealing from. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean the the images and art is is another is another ballpark. I think for me, I'm so honed in on ChatGPT as being like a coding assistant that um, it maybe my focus is a little more narrow. But if if I were a photographer or or an artist, I think I would feel a lot more strongly about you know AI tools in general scraping, not just disallowing ChatGPT, but Midjourney and any of the other you know, image-based tools that, that would take your stuff. Like yesterday I was looking at a photo for a client site and the stock photo that my designer used, uh, Getty Images wanted like $500 for it. was like, oh my gosh. So, you know, go to, go to mid journey and type in something vaguely familiar. And it, it's not the same, but it's very close. And that's, that's some, some sticky stuff. Somebody in a group this morning shared they they found a stock image they wanted to use. It was really close to what they needed for a client, but the guy's like gestures with his hand. He was like pointing out like he was saying something to somebody instead of self-reflecting, and they needed him to be like more self-reflecting in the picture. So they had the the Photoshop AI redo that part of the image, and it took the guy's hand from like pointing out at somebody to like holding his hand in like he's talking about himself and it was like boom there we go we just we just completely changed the idea of this image with ai and got exactly what we needed out of it it's it's similar to like the the conversation around like fair use like on youtube mm -hmm. if you if you are going to like react to somebody's video it has to be like transformative for it to fall under fair use and it's like where are we in that that's a whole legal thing that none of us are going to have mm -hmm. any say in but it's it's a weird time. So I think, you know, to, to summarize this particular point for me, at least, 
am I rushing out to, to block the chat GPT bot? No, because it's like, honestly, if it, if it means that somebody can find a piece of content or use something that maybe I contributed to slightly, I think I'd rather that than me holding it all hostage, even though it's all public. Anyway, if you went through my site and found yeah. it, it, I don't know. It, it doesn't um, so really bother me that much. Like we came up, people have come up with all these cool tools, but th before they ever thought about the consequences of any of them. And now we're having to like figure out what are the consequences of all this, you know? Definitely. I'm, I'm torn in the fact that like, I don't want everything stolen, but I also want to take advantage of all these kick-ass things that I can use now, you know? So kind For of sure. talking out of both sides of your mouth. <sighs> yeah, I'm not I'm not rushing to uh, to disavow any right now. It's uh, it's just going to stay the same. Right I will now. say one of, the, one of the people, I hate that we, I can't see their name, Facebook user, um, about five minutes ago said, we rely on people coming to our site to research. So no chat GPT could hurt our business. I think it's interesting if you have a, a, um, maybe like an affiliate blog or like an AdSense based, you know, impression kind of site where somebody circumventing your website to go through chat GPT could impact you financially. Um, or, you know, there's a lot of cases where what I'm saying is not applicable because this right. is, it's, it's, you know, my, my, um, interpretation of it and how it applies to me but i do recognize there are tons of people that would be impacted negatively that's for yeah. sure yeah it's hard to see it from every every angle you know definitely so me and you got a we got a trip coming up in like 12 days both of us are headed to uh wordcamp us uh excited about that i think we got like 70 people from the admin bar community that are going to be there so i'm really excited to meet everybody in person actually feeling a little nervous i've been having like anxiety dreams about it a little bit so uh, i'm getting a little anxious about this trip but but super excited and uh monica this week i shared in the newsletter she posted in here how much vacation time do you take and are you entirely offline when you're when you're on vacation? So me and you both are pretty much solopreneur type businesses. I mean, you have developers you subcontract to. I have a little bit every now and then, but not not as much as you do. But pretty much for the most part, if if I am not around, not much is going to get done in the business, you know. So that does make yeah. vacation time very difficult. This year we moved across the country. That wasn't really a vacation, but it was time I couldn't work. We usually want to take one or two vacations a year, especially the harder you work at growing a business and, and getting successful with it and making more money and stuff. You want to be able to enjoy that and take some time off. Uh, but it becomes really hard when when you're in this situation. I know uh, earlier this year, late last year, you went to Europe for like two or three weeks you were gone. So yeah. I would love to hear kind of like overall, what's your, what's your process for vacation? Are you Are you scheduling a certain amount of time every year? How do you handle that logistically with clients and balancing workload and uh, how available are you on vacation? I would love to hear yeah. all of that. I mean, um, I, I'm, that's one of the big things that I love about being self-employed is, is the total dictation. Is that a word? Total dictation of your schedule. And that's, that's one of those things I've said to many, many people that I would rather make less money and still be able to dictate my schedule than make a bunch of money, like a, you know, heart doctor or whatever, shout out to them for, for doing God's work. But for, the the trade-off being their schedule is so much more rigid and for me the way that I, I really am invigorated by travel and looking forward to it and being on it I, I come away feeling super fired up and ready to come back and and crush work you know so like for me I'm I'm really trying to do something even if it's small like a, a night or two away for for a weekend um, every 90 days is my goal okay. I want to do something you know not necessarily massive like Europe for three weeks was massive. And obviously 
there's a there's a financial impact, like you said, for not being able to be on top of work. But I found that because I, I if, with enough time, I can work really hard leading up to that, uh, hand some things off to to contractors while I'm gone and kind of keep it moving. Um, but with enough notice, I'll, no client really has ever had a problem with it. And for new projects coming in, I'll know like this yeah. this period of time is going to be dead. So either we'll start later or you just have to understand things are going to be slow for this period of time. Um, which I guess relates to your question about um, how accessible am I? So almost always, I, I pretty much always bring my laptop on vacation. So I normally wake up and, and check things, make sure nothing's blown up in the mornings, kind of quickly scan through email. If there's anything I can action right away, like change this image or, you know, take this section off our site, I'll go do that. You know, it takes a matter of minutes. Um, but in terms of big requests, I'll either schedule them or hand them off to, to contractors. So I, I still try to be accessible, but again, you know, similar to, to day-to-day work, I'm not, I'm not checking email or really looking at base camp notifications during the day. Um, like we went to, um, to universal over July 4th and it's amazing. I, I did next to no work, nothing blew up, no clients were unhappy. So I think if, if, if you work it into your schedule, it's a lot easier than just trying to, to just do something out of the blue. Um, I think that's kind of the thing for me is that I'm, I normally know what I'm going to do like 90 days in advance. So it's, it's a whole lot easier because I have weeks and weeks to prep for it and, you know, and work really hard leading up to it so that I can be yeah. more disconnected. Yes, I'm pretty similar. I mean, I will plan in advance. Well, my wife will plan it all in advance. I do no planning whatsoever, uh, but it's on the calendar way in advance. So I, I definitely let clients know ahead of time. I found that like, if I let them know a couple of weeks ahead of time that I'm going to be gone for this period of time, like, please send me anything you need right now. I'll get a flood of work before I leave that at least I feel like it's helping keep any, anything from coming up while I'm gone, which is yep. you know really helpful. And clients are usually appreciative of knowing that. So they're not kind of left in the dark, but I don't think since I started this, that I've taken a vacation where I didn't take my laptop and wake up every morning to do work. So part of it's like, I have things that are just calendar appointments every day of the yeah. week or things that have to get done. So like, you know, I've scheduled creating a YouTube video. I do that on Monday. Uh, you know, on Tuesdays, I have to work on the accessibility weekly post with Amber and get that posted. Uh, Wednesday, I have two table meetings every week. Uh, Thursday, the newsletter's got to be done and ready to go out, you know? So I have certain things that just have to be done every week that some of them I can prepare in advance and like bulk, you know, get the work done ahead of time, kind of batch that together and have it done. But some of them I can't, like putting together the newsletter, we're putting together things that happened this week. So I can't, I can't do that in advance. So luckily I wake up super early in the morning and the rest of my family does not. So when we go on vacations, I take my laptop. When I wake up in the morning, I can usually knock out two or three hours worth of work before anybody's up before, you know, we're missing any vacation time. It was just yeah. time people were sleeping anyway. So is it, I, I've, I've probably haven't truly disconnected from work for more than a day or two the entire time I've been doing this, but I've also been able to like, take more vacations than I probably could have take more vacation time than I could have if I had a nine to five job, you know? Yeah. It's really interesting because last summer, um, I ended up, th this is a great question. The, the balance of work and relationships. Um, it last, last summer I went to Colorado and did some camping with some friends and, uh, we all had, you know, four wheel drive vehicles. So we were like, we were out there and we were doing some trails where, 
we would we would get on the trail at nine o'clock in the morning and we wouldn't have phone signal until the following day at like noon when we kind of re-emerged back into town. And that was one of the the only times in recent memory where I've been completely and and like you know fully disconnected with no option to to uh to not just quickly like you said go open up the laptop or pop into the phone and check. And it was very even despite the fact that, like I said, I don't really have clients that are very needy, it was still very nerve wracking. It's just like that, that what if in the back of my head. Um, so, I mean, it's the, the question of, are you entirely offline? No, typically not because I'm in a place that's got internet or there's Wi-Fi nearby. So, you know, it's, it's still accessible, but, um, I will say that coming back from those, those complete disconnect times, it's like, it's very, very nice to fully disconnect and, and not even have the option to to check because things are going to be fine. You're not going to die. Even if you have a pissed off client, you're not going to die and your business is not going to go under. So that, that's yeah. my philosophy. It can, it can be hard to remember that for sure. I think uh, the question here about balancing work and relationships and kids, man, I feel like that's probably an hour long conversation we can have too. But for me, it's, it's honestly like the relationships and the kids and wife is the reason I'm not working 24 seven. You know, I would probably sure. sit here at this desk 24 hours a day if I didn't have them pulling me away. So try to just be conscious of that, that I can't be working all the time, you know? Definitely. That's that. I mean, the balance question is we've hit on in a number of different ways already in, in this conversation, but it's something that I think you have to be really intentional about not, um, not allowing clients to dictate your schedule. Elijah Mills has said a number of times in different groups, something that I think about a lot, which is like, for some reason, we as web designers allow our clients to dictate what we do, despite us being the professional. You know, you don't, you don't go to your dentist and question him or her. And you, you, you don't argue with your lawyer about case law. It's like, they are the expert. You hired them. And that's something that I think is, is really, um, important to remember that you control every aspect of your business from communication channels to times to, you know, your time off, your rigidity of after five, no matter what, I, I'm not accessible. I'm with my family. And um, it's really, it's really tough. I mean, us as entrepreneurs, we love our work. That's, that's the thing. I say all of this and even still sometimes I'm on my, on the couch on the laptop at 9 PM. So, you know, yeah, I think part of it too, is like, as you, as your business grows and gets more stable and all that, you're afforded to do more of those things. Yes. You're afforded to design your business around your preferences and your likes. And it's like, well, if they, if this client doesn't like that, I'm not going to be available at four 30 in the afternoon for meetings, then he'll just have to find another developer. I really yep. don't care. Uh, you know, but I know some people at the beginning of their journey or, you know, whatever it may be, doesn't, doesn't have that luxury. So I think both me and you kind of benefit from the, uh, you know, the position our agencies are in where we can, we can be a little bit more picky about what, what we're willing to do and what we're not willing to do. But in the end, you know, it's your business. You can make the kind of business you want. And there's so much work to go around. I know I, I, some people have the scarcity mindset, but I feel like there's enough work to go around that we can kind of just do the things within reason. We can do the things that we think are, are you know, best for us and our yep. family and all that, and probably still make a living doing this. Absolutely. <sighs> All right, let's uh, let's bed? go ahead. I was gonna say I I go to bed at like eleven or midnight and wake up at eight thirty or nine. 
Yeah, I'm I'm an old man. Nine o'clock, I'm asleep. Sometimes eight thirty, like I'm out. I will say though that the school is back in session, so I'm gonna be up more in the like six thirty or seven hour now. Yeah. Well, I'm up long before the kids are before the kids are up. All right, let's uh let's move on here to the next topic here. Uh, Lee decided to open up a, a bit of a hornet's nest here. I think anytime you say Gutenberg or you say full site editing, you're gonna divide a crowd pretty quickly. Um, we had we had quite a few comments on this, and I think uh, so. Lee's point was once you give the block editor and full site editing a real try, you might actually like it. I know there's a lot of people that that feel that's not true. I know when I started to use blocks, the the first few attempts were like, oof, I don't know, you know, yeah. but as I spent more time with it, I think it's like anything, you kind of get a handle on it and, and start figuring it out. And I know you were that way using blocks as well. Definitely. And I mean, I've said many times on my streams that, that um, the people who bitch and moan most about it are the people who haven't actually used it. So, you know, I, I think that to, to the actual uh, topic here, I've not used FSE. And part of it is that like, oh, it's not actually ready yet. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here saying exactly the opposite of what I'm doing. So, you know, there's a bit of take that with a grain of salt. But I do think I, I think the principle has merit. And it's it's for me, I um, goes back to the sort of intentional nature of my business. I I try to keep things really standardized. So playing with new shiny fancy tools is typically just an exploration rather than like a, a full commitment for me. You know, I, I have a, a set of tools that I know and trust and rely on really heavily. So until something like FSE makes such an impact where my day-to-day -day work suffers from it, it just, it doesn't quite make sense for me to explore as much as I think it's cool. And in time, it very well could be worth the, you know, the, the exploration. But um, so, I mean, to, to your, back to your comment about that, initial play with with blocks there are things that you know are annoying even still that i'm just like man this kind of blows i wish that i had xyz instead but i don't know it, it's just like it works for me it's a tool set that i'm happy with and it does what i need it to do so it's, it's not really worth reinventing the wheel it's like all the people that are quietly using beaver builder and loving it it's like you don't hear much from those people but they're building rock solid websites and they're making a bunch of money doing it so you know can't hate yeah, I think for me, it was like when I moved to using the block editor, I was having a problem that I needed to solve and the block editor helped solve that problem. So for me, it was like performance issues and uh, instability and in what I was using and everything. Yeah. And the block editor helped solve that uh, for me. Right now, I'm not facing any issues that I feel like maybe FSE full site editing could solve this for me. So I just haven't gone and done that yet. But I think me and you are in kind of a unique position. I think people who create content in general have might have a negative effect on everybody else because we can play around with new tools and it's considered work. We're like doing our job when we're just playing with new tools. Right. But then people watching the content, watch that and think, Oh, I should be playing with new tools all the time too. But they're, they're just playing with tools to play with tools, you yep. know? So it, man, it can just be such a distraction. I know I get distracted too with it, but um, yeah, for me, it's, it's been like, I don't know. I think back to, I, I hardly get on um, AppSumo anymore, but I have very few tools that were just really great buys from AppSumo. But the one that really stands out to me was I wasn't, most of the time when I bought stuff on AppSumo, it was like, 
let me go see what AppSumo has and let me just browse around. It's like just walking to a store with no agenda and then grabbing things off the shelf or like going to the grocery store when you're hungry, you know, yeah. you, you get everything, right? So most of my purchases on AppSumo were just, I was browsing AppSumo and found something and bought it and thought maybe I'll, maybe I'll use this one day. But the tools that have been really helpful, so I'll give the example of Publer. I was just sitting here going, okay, I need to be able to post to multiple social media channels at once. I need some kind of tool that does this. You know, there's tools people talk about in the group all the time. I thought about just going directly to one of those websites and buying it, but I thought I'm not really particular. I don't have really, uh, you know, advanced needs for any of this. So I'm just going to go to AppSumo and see if they have anything. And I went on there and Publer was on there. It just so happened to be on there right when I needed it. I bought it. It filled the purpose. It's been great ever since, but it was, it was coming at it from a different direction from, you know, not just browsing and buying a shiny object. It was like, I have a need and I need to fulfill it. So it's a long way around, but saying like, I know a lot of people haven't come around to the block editor or full site editing, editing and wherever it may be. And I think once you have the need that this solves, it makes it a whole, it makes a whole lot more sense to do that than to just jump on something and do it just to try it. You know what I Definitely. mean? Definitely. I mean, my, my migration from, from um, oxygen into the block editor was for a variety of reasons. And the, there hasn't been anything that I've come across yet that is compelling enough to, to move. So it's, it's exactly what you're describing. See, Josh says it's more like, yeah, yeah. If there's an unfamiliarity to it, then there's a, a lot more resistance unless, unless you're buying into the hype train. Like that's, that's really well, the, the only There's way. also just people who love to be early adopters, you know, and want to yeah. try all the new things. I have a, I have a tinge of that in me. I'm not, crazy it, I, I see some people that are way further in that direction than me uh but you know if you just love playing with new stuff then you know you're gonna you're gonna easily get distracted by things there's a book that i read and um it it talks about you know the idea of deleting social media and and um getting off email and you know removing it from your phone and stuff and um one of the things it says is to the effect of you're going to hear about anything worthwhile through another human and, you know, I'm, I, I don't subscribe to a lot of WordPress newsletters. It's yours and Sonny's and that's about it. I don't really follow a whole lot of people. And, it, but the thing is like the one that stands out most vividly for me is Perf Matters. I heard th about that from you and I love it. It's a critical tool in my arsenal now. Funny enough, you have the hat on and um, the, uh, that's, that's the Perf Matters logo, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I was like, wait a second, maybe it's not. No, you're good. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so it's like, you know, you don't, you don't have to always be playing and exploring. And, and for most of us, we're solopreneurs. So it's a complete waste of time. It's to the detriment of your own client work and, and income to be doing that. So I think the, it's good to let other people explore it, find out the cool stuff. And then you can decide if you want to. Yeah. yeah when when you have a problem that it solves instead yes. of just trying going out and in search of a solution for a problem you don't have, you know? Met, um, Meta Jennifer's comments really interesting. Did you see that one? Put it up on the screen here. It said, uh, I was a long time holdout and still hate parts of it, but it really helps my design as a non-designer coder. Now I use uh, Gutenberg plus Cadence. Yeah. I think uh, it, it's amazing that some people feel like the the block editor makes it easy to design stuff and pe some people feel like it makes it harder to do things. Yeah. The Facebook comment above it says that the Beaver Builder feels like Block Editor and FSE. They it's coming along, but still faster with Beaver Builder for them. So the, you know, there's an element of that too, where your efficiency just plummets when you move to yeah. that that new tool. 
So yeah, I, I mean, there's so many balancing acts and, and it's like balancing, like what kind of quality am I going to be able to put out versus I need to be profitable and being able to do this quick enough to get it, you know, get done, whatever the, the scope of the project is. So there's some yeah. things to consider. I, I encourage people who are new to, to blocks to rebuild their own site. They've already done it once. So they should know the nuts and bolts for the most part. So go rebuild your own site. And even if it never sees the light of day, I think that's a great way to do it is with new tools like this, work on something that you're already familiar with and yeah. see if it actually solves what you're after rather than trying to build a new project that you're, you don't really know your way around. Absolutely. All right. So I think the, the thread of the week this week was this one from Jerry who said, uh, what is the one thing you wish you had done differently when you started your design agency? And lots of really awesome comments in this. A million things came to mind for me, uh, but I just tried to list one thing since they asked one thing. Uh, so for me, I think it was really trying to find an identity for your business as soon as possible. I, I spent a lot of time without any kind of like clear identity. I still don't think it's clear enough. Like I'm definitely preaching to myself here, but uh, man, that changed everything for me. So I, I gave the example in here uh, earlier this week, I had somebody refer a project, another web agency refer a project to me. And they said, you know, in the email where they connected me with the client, they're like, you know, uh, I forget, I'm paraphrasing now, but basically like Kyle's who you want to talk to if you, if you need uh, work done in the block editor. And I'm like, man, I have built that little identity for myself by creating content on this, et cetera. And when you can become like the go-to for whatever the specific thing is, you know, a lot of people niche down into specific industries. Some people it's more, what problem do you solve? Some people it's what uh, tech stack are you, you know, what, what uh, software are you using to solve this problem or whatever? And people are looking for people using that software, but man, finding an identity for your agency has made everything easier for me. I think now to like, when somebody finds me through those channels of like, oh, I need something with generate blocks, generate press or the block editor, or I'm working on performance, those things that I'm talking about all the time. When I go into sales meetings like that, I don't have to do sales anymore with them. Like they came to me for a very specific reason and they're already convinced they want to work with me. So it makes that entire process easier. And I think so much of that has come back to like just having some kind of identity or niche or whatever you want to call it. Cause that's been like probably the most pivotal pivotal thing in my business. I think I, I knew it would be for a long time, but was resistant to do it or scared to do it or didn't know what that thing was. But that's made just such a huge difference in my business. It's interesting how with exactly what you're describing, when you reduce the number of services that you offer, you hone in on, on a narrow focus, your efficiency goes up, your revenue goes up, your referrals goes up. It's like almost the inverse of what you think it would do mm -hmm. where you're like, well, I can service anybody and everybody and I can do social media and email. I can do block editor. I can do gravity forms and dynamic data. And then you're too crazy to do anything well. And then everyone's just like, ah, oh, they did it, but it's not that great. And try keeping up with all those things. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I think, uh, you know, in the beginning, we, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So it's like, oh, well, I figured out this tool in 10 minutes. That's fine. I'll figure out the next one in 10 minutes, the next one, in 10 minutes. And you realize like how shallow, you know, all these things. And until you get really in deep with it, you're like, I, you know, I took on WooCommerce projects early in my, Ooh. in my career thinking, oh, I figured this out. You had a product, you connect it here, you connect your payment gateway done. It's, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. And then the more you get into that, you're like, oh my God, how many things did I do wrong in this project? And how many things did I screw up? And I just didn't know better on all this. How and many e isn't something you should casually 
uh, offer as a service, you know? Definitely. How many curveballs can the client throw you that somebody who does WooCommerce all day long is going to be like, I got you. But then you and I are like, oh no, this is bad. Yeah, definitely. So that was mine. What what, what do you think was your, uh, your answer to this question? What do you wish you had done, done differently? I made a lot of mistakes early on. Um, a, a key one for me that took me quite literally years to get out of was when I left my day job, I had next to no money. And mm -hmm. the consequence of that was that I had to say yes to everything simply to pay the bills. But then that became a vicious cycle of got to pay the bills, got to take on this project and you know, vice versa. You don't have time to go out and try to find good projects. You're not afforded the opportunity to say no. Um, and then, you know, I, I still struggle with it to this very day, but the, the confidence in myself to, to charge more and, mm -hmm. and know that I can do the thing. And as such, my, um, my, you know, confidence level and pricing are kind of always in a, in a constant battle and flex. There we go, Jennifer <laughs> saying the exact same thing that I'm vocalizing as well. So I think if I were to, if I were to restart with my current knowledge, I would try my best to have at least six months, if not more of, um, of, you know, money in the bank to float so that I could say no, but also back then I was doing anything and everything. So mm -hmm. that, that was kind of a problem too. I was like, do I, I was still doing like physical onsite it work for some clients and trying to build a website for this client and never was able to get good. Once I dropped the, the it stuff web started to pick up and then it was like, this continuous process of, of honing in on one specific thing. I, I wrote a, I wrote a blog post, like it's been a couple of years back now, but it was like aimed at people who are looking to take the leap from like part-time doing this on the side to doing it full-time and like what steps I took to make that leap a little bit easier, you know? And one of those things was like building up a big runway of money set aside so you could survive for six months, even if no projects came in. And for me, yep. that was a huge thing. Like, when I, I started my business, I like registered my business on January, January 2nd or whatever, the first of January, you know, one year with the goal of by the next year, having saved up enough money to, to quit my job and do the business full time. And I actually was able to do it in like five months, but it made, it made making that decision a lot easier because mm -hmm. I had already set up parameters when I have this much in the bank and I have this many projects and this and this, then I can do it. I just thought it was going to take a year and it happened to only take like five months to do it, but it made that a whole lot easier when you, when you know exactly what you need to be able to do that. I was also 19 at the time with no real bills. So that, yeah, that yeah. helped that me just send it. Too. I, my mom, I distinctly remember my mom asked me, are, are you okay? Do you have enough money? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, I have like 320 bucks in my account. I'm like, I'm going to yeah. figure it out. But yeah, I think one time I went negative and had to ask my mom for money, and that was not a good day. I've never done that again. Nope. There are lots of good comments on this. I'm going to read out uh, from, from the thread here, and we'll see uh, maybe just quick reactions from both of us if we agree or disagree or if it resonates with us. And while we're doing that, uh, peace out, Rick. See you later. Um, while we're doing that, if anybody here watching wants to chime in, what what is something you wish you had done differently when you started your design agency? Maybe we'll throw those up on screen and chat about those as well. Or if you have uh, questions for us as well, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I, I didn't get permission to to like read any of these people's names and then say what they said. So I'm just going to say people in the group said these things and, and we'll have to figure out a system if we continue to do this for doing that later. But we had somebody that said no regrets. And I'm not sure if that was a, a joke or not, but you know what? I don't really regret most of those mistakes I made because you learn so much from all the things you screw up. You learn way more from what you screw up. So there's very few things that I like actually regret, you know? Yep. Um. We have one in here that says charging correctly solves a ton of problems. That does solve a it ton does. of problems. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, f figuring out what correctly means is really difficult, but it does, uh, it does solve problems. The weird thing is how easy it gets when you're like nervous to press the button on an invoice for a send for 3,500. Then suddenly you're pressing send on 7,500 and then suddenly it's 15 and you're like, this is a, a hell of a lot easier now. Yep. Every time you, you level up every time. And especially when, especially when you're really nervous to send the biggest one you ever sent and then the client immediately signs it and, pays yep. you and you're like, Holy crap, I probably could have charged way more, you know, Definitely. So next time I'm going to do better. Yep. Uh, we got another one. Uh, just get stuck in. Don't think too much, man. I know a lot of people are overthinkers and I am such an underthinker. I think I've really benefited from this. It's bit me in the ass too, but like I almost never overthink something and I can see when people are doing that um underthinking is a problem too because like i said i've yeah i've gotten bit in the ass by that for sure not thinking something through but overthinking will just you'll be stuck in the mud forever overthinking things 100 percent agreed uh learning to say no to projects that's oh my gosh one. that's a great one that's that's probably the best one so far it probably will be my best one uh focus on recurring revenue from the very beginning or or figure out how to charge appropriately because even still right now, my recurring revenue barely covers my like consistent monthly bills, but I'm having best months nearly in a row. Um, but as a consequence of being able to charge appropriately. Mm. So I still do a whole lot of like large project work, which carries over the course of many months. So I, I agree. Monthly recurring revenue is fantastic, um, but there's, there's more pieces to it. Depending yeah. on how that, your business that roller coaster is way too stressful for me. So that that recurring revenue has been huge. I would at least say build mechanisms for recurring revenue from the very beginning. You know, yep. don't wait two years into it and be like, man, maybe I should do care plans or something. Don't don't look it. at care plans and say, oh, it's only ninety nine bucks a month. That mm. shit adds up. Yes, it does. All right. Um, here's here's a good one. I actually think I would have worked at an agency before starting out on my own. That's really mm. interesting to me. I worked at you know, as a graphic designer and in the print industry. So somewhat adjacent, but I never had any web experience before doing this on my own. And I'm wondering, would that have made me better or would that have like taught me bad habits? Bad I'm not habits. entirely sure. Yep. I, I, I think it would have taught me bad habits. So I don't, I don't regret that. I, I went to school for IT, not for web design, but I think it was a good thing. And ultimately I could figure out my flow and what worked for me rather than being like, well, that's all they did it. Right. Uh, saying no to the red flags that pr present themselves. Oh my gosh. The I red flags. The, the thing about red flags is they're just a mass learning. You don't know that it's a red flag until it's too late, typically, especially early on. Mm -hmm. But then you get better at recognizing them. Like even small behaviors and small things people say, the, yeah, that red flags. It's like, once you know, you know, and you will not commit. It's, you yeah. gotta, you've gotta say no. And fire people when the red flags start popping up later. Yeah. Yeah. Because it never gets better. It doesn't yeah. work itself out. Uh, keep a CRM from day one and put everyone in it. Man, I have screwed this up and thought I was going to do better and screwed it up and thought I was going to do better. 
and my my agency list is such a freaking mess like it it's almost worthless the way things have been tagged and automated it's it's uh it's not good so that would be a good one for me too uh this one's good i'll I'll give this person a shout out because i don't think they'll mind me um saying their name here. Adam Lowe said, focus less on getting all the processes, tools, and flashy things dialed in. They were just distractions in the name of productivity. I'd focus more on simply putting the reps in and doing things the manual way and building out the systems once they became necessary. Man, that is an epic answer. And I 100% agree. 100% agree. And Jaden, I see you in the chat. I love you, dude. Go read that comment again a couple times for me, please. <laughs> for all the people in the back. Uh, <laughs> Hired help sooner. Uh, I'm still uh, struggling with that. Uh, that's a tough one because I think a lot of people think they need help sooner than they do because they're they're wasting time spinning wheels with mm. tools and processes that don't actually matter. Uh, that yeah. that maybe I not would, as a blanket statement. Fifty fifty um, on that one. Uh, shift from generalist to specialist sooner. That's kind of what I was talking about in being like having an identity. Uh, more MRR. Let's see. Uh, hire faster and outsource mo- more once you know how to do things. I think when you recognize what your strengths and weaknesses are, bring people into the fold that that help you bring your weaknesses up to speed. For, For me, sure. it's design. Uh, another one here. I wish I would have built out a lead generation slash referral system sooner. Yep, because that pipeline, you, you got to constantly nurture that and to wait a long time to get that started is is definitely difficult. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Let's see. Uh, let's see what what uh, what comments we had here in the chat. So here's a good one from Facebook user. You don't need to buy all the softwares. That is very very true. Don't buy an LTD just because it's on LTD. It's yeah, a waste ab- of money. Absolutely. Uh, not starting sooner. Just jump in for sure. Um, let's see. Moving forward with difficult clients and ignoring the red flags. Done that so many times now. I. I've told people before, like I almost start projects with it's a no until a client convinces me it's a good idea because I've been burnt by those red flags so many times. Like I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. I had a client that, that said that they wanted to meet in person to review every iteration of the website. And I knew that was a terrible idea. And I said, yes. And what happened, but midway through the project, they wanted their money back. And I said, here you go. You can have every single dime. This is terrible. Yeah. Not worth it. All right, uh, Hutch, he says, done is better than perfect. That's right, for sure. Um, lots more questions and things, so I won't bring all those up. But yeah, definitely a very interesting thread. So if you have a copy of the newsletter, I would I would go through those comments and see what, what resonates from you. Uh, we'll try to speed run some of these. We're already coming up against an hour, and I am going to have to wrap this up pretty soon. So we've, uh, we've been chatty Cathy's on all this. Um, okay, so this this I thought was an interesting one because I can perfectly envision this scenario. Uh, Paul shared that uh, one of his clients came to them saying they wanted some AI on their website. And when he questioned them, they had no idea uh, what kind of AI they wanted on their website. They just heard that buzzword and thought maybe they should jump on it too. I haven't had any of my clients do this to me yet, but this just felt like a deja vu moment where I'm just waiting for a client to come say this to me. Like, can we put AI on our website and have no idea what that means? Uh, so definitely something I want to be looking out for. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, the, <sighs> just think about it, like how little our clients actually know about the 
just the inner workings of a website in general, you know, like talking about main menu and they're like, can you put that tab over here? Just mm-hmm. like the, them talking about AI. But plus the, the other thing that I was thinking about with this is when I, when I think of clients asking for AI on their site, I, I instantly think of just assume that they're talking about a chat bot mm. and like so many of these big corporate like apps and sites now have these chat bots. Like my credit card has one and all I wanted to know was, is there international transaction fees? Couldn't find it in their help docs. I clicked the little thing. I'm like, does my card have a, a you know transaction fee? And it's like, I don't know. Let me get you to an agent. Like, dude, this should be in your support docs. And it's like in this thing and your stupid little bot can't do it. So then it's like, if Capital One can't figure this out, how is your little AI chat bot on your like roofing website going to work? You know, I, I, to me, yeah. it's a, it's a it's a big no. I mean, I could see the value in it if it worked really well. But anytime I pull up a little bubble in the corner of a website to chat with somebody, and first of all, I do appreciate it when they make like the avatar a robot so I know this is a bot and not try to pass it off as Veronica and it's obviously some kind of uh, chat bot, you know? So I appreciate when I at least know I'm talking to a robot. But the first thing I do is say, human agent can i yeah, talk to yeah. a person like th- that's zero, all I'm gonna zero, ask zero. yeah until i talk to a real person <laughs> yeah my banks is is called erica I'm like come on you're not fooling anybody with this yes the so yeah if if clients are asking about it there's a different conversation to be had i don't think that whatever they think incorporating into the website is going to be a good idea well I would say what I'm going to do when this happens, and I say when because I know this is going to happen, is just try to really press them on asking questions. What kind of AI do you want? What do you want it to do? What problem is it going to solve for you? How much are you willing to spend on this yep. AI implementation? You know, what's what's it worth to you? Because I think we can probably back those clients down for a little bit anyways I until mean, we have something that makes sense, you know? It would be expensive to implement something like this, you know, the the your time to figure it out and the quirks that you're inevitably going to run up against because this stuff is brand new and it's untested, it's unproven. And I don't, I don't remember how many billions of dollars Microsoft invested in OpenAI, but like the, the the smartest people in the world are working on this, and there's still quirks and things that are that are yet to be decided. So Billy Bob's roofing service and you know McKinney Texas does not need AI on their website. I can't think of a single client of mine that would actually need some kind of AI component on their site. How did you pull McKinney, Texas out of your hat? I, I, my, I was thinking the map of Texas and I was trying to remember your old city and it didn't come fast enough. So it, I just, yeah, I mean, you got close to it though. So I'm just, I didn't know you knew this many towns in Texas. So that was, that was I'm good. A, I'm a map nerd. Uh, okay. I just like scroll around on the map. Okay. Good deal. All right, let's uh, let's barrel through some of these other things that we share. I think that was everything from inside the group this week. Yeah. Uh, a good little blog post from Abby. She she typically does one guest post on the Admin Bars blog a month. They're always fantastic. Uh, if you go to our blog and click on her name, you can see all the articles she's written. Uh, funny enough, it's amazing. The copywriter actually gets the most articles to rank on our website. Uh, most of the things our, our website ranks for are the, the articles that Abby wrote. So that's interesting. But this week, uh, she actually shared one. It was her second one this month, but like things to do when five things to do when work is slow. It made me think about. I wonder how slow work is for people in the summer. Mine usually slows down because 
my clients are doing things with their family and taking vacations and all those kinds of things. And I'm doing some of those same things too. And I posted a, a poll in the group this week uh, and it seemed like it was about 50% of people said they were slower in summer than they were uh, in the spring. Uh, so there's definitely some good tips in here. We'll run through them here. Uh, don't panic and start accepting bad fit clients for sure. I've done that way too many times and you will regret it because then you're going to get stuck in in a project that doesn't make you any money and you're miserable doing and some great opportunity is going to come through and you're going to have to say no to it because you're stuck with this crap thing you're doing. The other problem is that when you're small, bills got to be paid. That money might disappear and you don't have the option to refund them. That is a horrible spot to be in and one that I've been in more than once Oof. and I, it's terrible. Absolutely. Uh, number two, start reaching out to old leads. Man, I think we really under undervalue how much all the past contacts we have are worth. And we yeah. just kind of like are always moved on to what is the next next new person to come in. And those those old projects kind of goes into our third point here too, is like go back to go back on projects that you lost out on or leads that went to another agency and check in on those projects. Yep. Like those are gold mine of finding work. You'll be shocked at how often you can end up winning those deals. They're like, actually, yeah, it's been terrible. They just, you're not top of mind. So they're not coming back to you. I have a, a, a woman who was in a BNI group with me for many years. And when she lost deals, she called it the be back bus. She's like, I know for a fact, they're going to come back around because whoever they went with doesn't charge enough. They don't do the right work. I do. So she was like, they boarded the be back bus. And it's so true. I like that. But that looks like a, a bumper sticker, a shirt waiting to happen. <laughs> yep. Uh, one other one on here I wanted to, to highlight too is don't be tempted to reduce your prices. I think that's one thing. We get nervous when there's not enough work coming in. It's like, well, I did just raise prices. Maybe I should go back down. You got to stay strong on it. I know at some point you got to pay bills too, but that that's never worked out for me, like discounting myself because I need the work. That's never ended up working out. That's another rut that's tough to get out of too is discounting. Absolutely. Uh, did you catch my YouTube video I made this week? I, I, you don't I have didn't, to lie. No, it's fine. No, you didn't. no I, I won't All lie. Right. I didn't. So this week I shared a, a, a thing that I've been doing inside of Generate Blocks is essentially creating like a, a call to action section is, is what I did in this example. So some kind of like blog call out, like, you know, visit this page or sign up for this newsletter or whatever. But what I found is there's scenarios where on some blog posts, I want it to have this call to action. And some blog posts, I don't want it to have this call to action because it doesn't make sense. Or on all the blog posts, I want it to have this call to action, but they need to say different things depending on which blog post it is. Um, and I don't want to manually like statically put those things in blog posts one by one. So what I did in this video is kind of show you a way to set up elements for these call to action things that are dynamic and then use taxonomies to to dynamically bring them into post or hide them from post. So oh, essentially cool. you can create like a newsletter CTA element and then create a taxonomy called like, I think I put, you know, like blog features or something. One of the check boxes was newsletter CTA. So if you're writing a blog post and you want that newsletter CTA, you just check that box and it dynamically brings that call to action into your blog post for you. And it's just such a cool little like magic trick to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like something I did just um, a couple of weeks ago with that block visibility plugin, kind mm -hmm. of doing the same thing, combining generate press elements with block visibility, the stuff that you can pull off and adding in custom taxonomies. It's just wild. The stuff yeah, you can pull off. It's pretty neat. Uh, also this week, 6.3 release. Did you update any sites this week? No, it's funny talking about tools and stuff. I am intentionally always with core updates. I'm weeks behind. I, I leave it. 
and just don't touch it. Let the little admin nag stay there because I want other people to find the quirks with it and then also plug in updates to catch up. So I mm -hmm. typically leave them alone. And, and so I haven't done a single one yet. I have a couple that I've just put on auto and they just update and it's totally cool. Uh, I, I update all my sites first instead of client sites. So uh, live on a table call the other day, we were talking about this and I just said, well, let's see what happens when I update my site. So I just shared my screen and logged into my agency website and updated to 6.3 and everything was fine. So I'm sure it I like be. Yeah, I like to test on my own stuff first because it's like, okay, well, if my agency website goes down for even a day, it's not going to be the end of the world. You know what no, I mean? I mean the, fine, so. It goes back to the conversation of like tools and not trying flashy, fancy new stuff all the time because like my stack is pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. Like I, I still am with Gravity Forms despite the, the you know, the, the um, community talking about WS Forms and Fluent Forms all the time. I know Gravity Forms is rock solid, mm -hmm. like, Generate press, generate blocks, no doubt updating those. There's a there's a slew of other plugins that I just know are gonna work. Um, but for me, I'd I typically kind of like I'm usually in, in um uh, like iPhone uh software update behind and those sorts mm. of things. I don't know. I, I always lag behind on those sorts of things. Yeah, I know we both kind of moved to a blocks stack to simplify things, and I've done that as much as I can. Like I would love to have as few plugins as possible. Not because I think more plugins is gonna slow down your site or whatever, it's just everything adds more complexity and more things I have to worry about, more compatibility and all that. So it's like, how can I reduce this to the least amount of things possible that, you know, I know Tom and the team at Generate Press and Generate Blocks have already been on top of 6.3. I have no doubt that updating is not going to affect anything negative there. I know the Perf Matters people have already looked at all this. So it's like using plugins that you really trust and know the people behind makes all this a lot easier. So I'm not sweating any of it necessarily. I'll probably update them all next week, but I've, I've not had any problems so far. Yeah, good. All right, last one in here. This week's a sec accessibility weekly uh, issue from Amber. This week she was talking about accessible accordions. And I will say, testing accessibility on stuff like this is very difficult. I just don't know enough about it. Yeah. So when, when Generate Blocks came out with their, their accordion block, I went through and like keyboard navigated, it opened, it closed, it put the focus in the right place. I thought, hey, this works pretty great. I'm pretty happy with this, you know? Um, and I think Jen and and uh, Amber both looked at that. I did a little demo because there was no demo of the Generate Blocks accordion. Yeah. Uh, so I put together a little demo for them and they found, they found issues right away with it. I know in this article, she talks about uh, some of the things, a lot of the uh, different... Uh, accordion systems get wrong. So like the common problems, uh, setting setting focus outlines to none, not using headlines. That's one that the generate blocks one failed at is you can't change the button of the title to a headline. Using headlines, but not allowing the user to define the level, which result which would result in headings being out of order. I think that's what she said was uh, happening inside of Cadence's accordion mm. block. Uh, using links instead of buttons to open and close the accordion. I know Generate Blocks has that right, but you have two options. You can, by default, it's a button for the title expansion, but you can change that to a container. What's nice about changing it to a container is now you can stuff all kinds of different things inside of it, but it's no longer a button. So you're like killing accessibility when you do that too. Uh, not hiding decorative icons from screen readers, missing ARIA labels, uh, making accordions up or marking accordions up like tabs, but not accessible tabs. So mm, interesting. like, like with all accessibility things, there's like 
three million ways to fuck this up and yep. like one way to get it right you know so it's very difficult but well it's interesting because the next uh thing is possible options the, the best one is this plugin called accordion blocks which i used prior to generate mm -hmm. blocks adding theirs natively and that one works extremely well interestingly i just noticed it hasn't been updated in a while um or or tested it worked flawlessly last time i i used it but um Honestly, I would not have guessed. I would have thought that the Generate Blocks one came out on top. Well, you know what? I, I'm so appreciative, obviously, because, okay, accessibility is such a huge topic. Like none of us, are, most of us are never going to become complete experts on this, right? But we all have to do better about it. And if you just decide like, hey, this month I'm going to learn everything about accessibility, you're going to get about 35 minutes into that and bash your head into a wall. So I'm so appreciative of Amber doing this series with us where it's like one little bite-sized thing every week, learn a little bit more. If you just take one thing away from this, like, you know, it next time I put in an accordion block, I need to make sure that the, the trigger is a button and not a link. Like that's one more little tool inside your tool belt for accessibility stuff. And I just think, you know, we're 32 weeks into this now. Uh, so there's been 32 different lessons she's, she's taught us on accessibility. And I know, I know, I, I've doubled the amount of accessibility knowledge I have based off of the series than, than before it. So yeah, it's really great. And it still makes me crazy, but me too. Yeah, making progress on it. All right. That is through everything. We, uh, uh, we went a little bit longer than I thought we would, but I think everything went pretty decently. Like I said, I was a little, uh, a little nervous about this, excited yeah. about it because uh, this is something that I've had on my mind for a while. You know, obviously we used to do an admin bar podcast back in the day uh, and that's been kind of defunct for a while now. And I miss doing that and talking about these topics and everything. So I've been excited about uh, trying this idea out. Hopefully people enjoyed it. I would love to hear feedback inside the group or comments here on this video if this is something you guys would continue to tune in for, if we did future episodes, uh, I'm a little, a little nervous of committing to doing this every week. Friday's the only day I don't have a standing appointment uh, on my calendar, and it's like, do I really want to add another appointment every five for Friday? Five. Yeah, uh, so maybe an every other week thing. Uh, I don't know, but we'll have to see kind of what the response is and see what people say. So we got a couple comments here. Um, Jaden, Jaden likes it. That's great. Shout out, Jaden. Uh, Elijah, he'll definitely check it out again. Shout Perfect. out, Elijah. So uh, sweet. We we at least got two people that enjoyed it, so that's better than zero. But make it three. Th there you go. Well, perfect. Well, I guess me too. I'll find out later if I enjoyed it. I'm gonna need a little. Uh, I need a breather after you do live streams. For anybody who hasn't live streamed before, and I think Jonathan will relate with this. You get done with this, and I swear to God, it feels like you just ran a marathon. Like yep. you were so exhausted from doing this, even though all I've been doing is sitting on my ass talking. It's no different than if you and I were in a Zoom meeting chatting with each other, but for some reason, it yeah, didn't. I do think it's different. I think this is much more exhausting than a well, Zoom. I mean, oh, in, okay. in principle, it's oh, the same yeah. thing, but but lives are way more exhausting yeah. for some reason. I guess it's just like stress level from from doing this and wondering if everything's going to work. I will say. StreamYard makes this a whole lot easier because this was a whole lot harder with OBS. And I've been having so many problems with like sharing screen and stuff with OBS. This just makes it really, really simple. So yep, most definitely. All right. Taylor, he digs it. Facebook user, they love it. <laughs> Neon Bongos with the uh my favorite username ever. They like it. Suzanne, she seems to be liking it. So that's great. 
Perfect. Well, we'll, like uh, we'll plan on doing it again. Thank you guys so much. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me and discussing all these things. Definitely couldn't have done this without you here today. So I, I appreciate your time. And uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. We'll see you again uh, next week inside the group. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.